It is a scam when you don't allow everyone to operate on fair terms. We are the Roman Hoods of sports betting. We take something back from the rich bookies and enable our customers to beat them instead. G'day everyone, welcome to episode one of live Sharp Sessions on the Trademate Sports YouTube channel. I will uh, answer any of your betting questions you've got for me today, discuss any uh, or both new and old betting strategies, preview the weekend sporting action, sport, sports betting in general, uh, and welcome on guests from around the industry in a couple of, over the next couple of weeks, months, however long we can keep this going for. I know it's at a much, much different time than uh, we usually do, but I figured um, just uh, obviously where I'm based in Australia and, uh, you know, not having to get up early in the mornings and and get some content out to you guys. It just allowed me to get a lot more or a few more live streams out to you guys, a lot more content. Um, and yeah, hopefully, I mean, maybe we can get a few more Australians on board, come and join along. And uh, if the Europeans and the the uh, the people from the UK want to get up early in the morning, they can they can jump on too. I'm not sure what time it is in the US, but or North America. So um, yeah, let's see how it goes. We'll get on some guests hopefully sometime in the in the future. We'll see how we go um, today. I'm gonna kind of just discuss, I guess, topic for the week: how sports pundits and commentators and you know fandom can influence betting markets and how you can exploit that. Um, and then, like I said at the end, I can give you guys a few few of my favourite bets for the weekend um, if the prices have still held for now. Um, as a little cherry on top to finish the stream. But yeah, if anyone's got any questions, I know it probably takes some time for people to jump on, etc. because of the random time I'm doing this at the new time. But yeah, any questions along the way are, uh, are welcome and appreciated. G'day, Pete H. All right. Um, well, we might as well get cracking into it. So I guess the one, the first thing I wanted to talk about was um so i mean the first example i wanted to go through in terms of how pundits you know commentators these kind of you know i guess famous sports people that that are i guess build the narrative control the narrative these kinds of things like if we're talking about soccer or football we're talking about your you know um, Gary Neville's, Jamie Carragher, um, Terry Henry, like, you know, these, these guys that get most of the airtime and can, you know, share their opinions, um, Roy Keane, these kind of guys, and people will respect those opinions so much that they can influence you know, not only people's opinions about a certain team or player, but they'll also influence their opinions uh, when it comes to um, betting market. Not not too much, but there's certain things I've picked up on over time that I think have, yeah, that are still relevant today. Um, and I also wouldn't say it's, 
you know, guys like that. I'd also say it's it's fans in general. So, you know, the most popular teams out there, like in your English Premier League, yeah, Arsenal's, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, these these sides, because they're such huge brands, because of everything they've achieved in the past, they are looked upon more favourably in terms of the odds makers than, you know, than other other teams in the English Premier League, even if they're in better form than them, these kind of things, just because they're Manchester United and they believe the best players, you know, should be at Manchester United, for example. Um, most of the time they are. But, yeah, I think um, the, the greatest example of them, the current example I could have given you, it would have been perfect if I did this stream about three days ago. But about three days ago, Arsenal, Manchester United and Liverpool were all at the exact same odds to win the English Premier League. They were both around, they were all three of them, sorry, were around eight, nine in odds, something like that. Now... Obviously, people are going to have opinions depending on who you support, maybe the way, you know, you watch the games, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you have to strip away your biases, what team you support, all this kind of stuff, and have a look at what each of those three teams have achieved recently. And then you have to obviously using that predict how they're going to perform this next season coming up now i know people will say i'm biased but if you take how those three teams have been performing this last season arsenal are clearly the best side out of the three of them clearly now liverpool i can understand people making an argument for Liverpool given their, you know, given what they've done in, in years gone by. Um, and the fact that people could, you know, expect them to, to turn it around. I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not going to say they're not going to turn it around, but I would say that going into this season, I would still rate Arsenal as the better team. Um and also you have to factor into this too that, you know, this season, but it's the same as for Manchester United, that they're going to be playing Champions League football. So that's another thing you have to factor into there, you know, extra games. Even though they're both playing Europa League, you can kind of play your second team, B team in that one and get away with a few, a few results. But sorry, I think I lost connection for just a second, but I think we're back on here. Um Let's just let's let's erase Liverpool. Let's compare Arsenal and Manchester United. Arsenal clearly the better team this year, clearly. And then if you you look forward to the the, the next season, how can Manchester United get better? Well, obviously, both teams are bringing in new players. Um, I'm not. I don't follow Manchester United news too closely, but from what I see in the, in the, from the most respectable journalists is that seems like the biggest player that they're going to be bringing in at the moment is Mason Mount. Whereas if you rewind the clock three days ago, Arsenal's best, like biggest target, or they'd already signed Havertz by that point. 
and they were um and they were um and they were look they were like you know toing and froing for rice um amongst a few other names i'm not sure who else manchester united are going for but certainly not at the you're not hearing names that are at that, those kinds of levels so we're saying that arsenal and manchester united are the exact same odds three days ago this was now it's separated a little bit on the back of the rice like confirmation basically that he's going to go to arsenal but for one arsenal were a better team last season and secondly they've had the better transfer window so far and um you know is there was there like huge signs that manchester united uh are gonna are gonna take a leap next season like they they it's not like they clear were you know an amazing team last season and like another year under ten hag they're for sure gonna get better they probably will get better i'm sure but compare that to where arsenal were i mean what was the well how did the epl ladder finish up uh last year um Arsenal finished uh, ten or uh, nine points ahead of uh, Manchester United. That's a pretty decent gap, um, and shows kind of you know that they were a fair chunk ahead of them. So yeah, I think the reason why Manchester United are getting priced up is because Manchester United are a bigger club than Arsenal. They've got more representatives in the media. You guys like Gary Neville, who. Uh, all, uh, he obviously, you know, disparages United at times, but he also, um, I think he also looks upon Arsenal negatively a lot of the time. And, um, you know, he's going to, he's going to, he has a, obviously a slight bias to Manchester, you know, there's no doubt about that. I'm not saying that this, like all this betting kind of, you know, equalness between the two teams is just because of one person, but I would say it definitely plays a part. And also fandom. I mean, people just see Manchester United. They couldn't possibly go another go in a season where they're going to finish behind Arsenal again, or at least the, the uh, gap be that big. But Arsenal only look will only look should only look at least on par, if not better, when you factor in the Champions League football. But Manchester United also have to do the exact same thing, so that's not really a, a thing you can argue with the two teams. Um, so. I think that's just, it's kind of a weird example because Manchester United and Arsenal are both big teams, but Manchester United are above Arsenal in terms of popularity. Just think uh, if Manchester United's name was, I don't know, Chelsea maybe or, or Tottenham, that's probably a good example. I think you would never have seen those kind of odds for Manchester United. Um and 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 you notice also just in your one x two odds your uh you know game by game odds throughout the season that you'll have teams like brighton obviously who were tremendous last season playing teams like chelsea and you'll have instances where chelsea um are either i don't know favorite or like the odds are just way closer than or at least favoring chelsea than what they should be and if their name wasn't chelsea if it was Crystal Palace versus Brighton, I think you would see more, um, uh, I guess, efficiency with odds. 
and I have I've also I've also you know looked at data too and that uh, blindly betting I think it was from memory it was uh, I could be wrong but I'm from memory I think it was blindly betting um, the like uh, I think it was like in the range of like one eighty to two point zero in odds. Um, big six teams. So any of those big six teams in that kind of odds range, if you backed the other team or backed or laid laid the big six teams, you would um you would you would have been a, a you know you would have had a good a positive ROI over time. I mean for example I think like Chelsea versus Arsenal it was like maybe five to six games left in the five games left in the season. Um, Arsenal played Chelsea at, they were at home, weren't they? Yeah, they were at home. Um, and the odds opened up at like 1.7 or something for Arsenal. Like just crazy stuff. Like imagine if Chelsea by that point were basically playing like a bottom half of the table, a bottom 10 team at like a, a lower mid-table kind of team. That's how poorly they were going. Um, and you're playing the second best team clearly in the league uh, and you're giving them 1.7. I mean, if Chelsea's name was Crystal Palace, like I said, <laughs> like Arsenal's odds would have been like 1.4 or something crazy like that. So these are things you can look out for during the season, but I thought this this um, outright winner of the Premier League was a great example because um, there's just no way Arsenal and Manchester United can be the same odds three days ago going into this next season uh, to win the Premier League. Um, I've got a comment here from Locke. Locke, yes. Opinions of ex-players are largely worthless unless they have studied a new career in data analytics or management. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're, I think they're definitely worthwhile listening to, um, some of them for sure, but you need to be able to create a filter between using their thoughts and opinions and then filtering that through to the betting markets. You know, that's a completely different thing. Um, yeah, example number two of this was um, in the UFC, which is the main sport I kind of bet, well, in the in MMA, um, commentators in the UFC, and th these are... Um, you know, your Daniel Cormier's, Michael Bisping, uh, Paul Felder, all the commentators that are, you know, working on the UFC, they are uh, the opportunities I've found there, thanks to the commentators, have, um, have been great in the live betting market because, you know, what, 50, I think a little bit more than 50% of fights go to decision. So, you know, throughout the fight, between rounds or during the fight, you can bet, you know, live bet who's winning the fight, et cetera, um, with an eye on the scorecards and, you know, who's won rounds, et cetera. And at times, the commentators will attempt to score the fight. Now, they are in no way the um, in a position to provide... Um, accurate scoring on a fight their their sole job is to commentate on what's happening on the fight they are not point scoring 
they are not counting how many takedowns, how many minutes someone's being controlled. I'm not saying this is like the main, you know, scoring criteria like damage. Then I mean, they can obviously see who's doing more damage maybe most of the time. But what I'm trying to say here is that there's no way that in a very, very close round that they can decipher accurately who is winning the fight because their job is not to score the fight. There's three guys around the octagon who all they are thinking about right now is who is winning this fight, who is winning this round. And commentators will, you know, attempt to judge score these these rounds. And a lot of, not a lot of the time, but some of the time when they're very close fights, it's, it's almost impossible to do for them. And they're going to create inaccurate reads. They're going to score incorrectly. And people who will be betting the the live markets will listen to the commentators and be like, oh, I'm not sure who won that round. That was pretty close. But Michael Bisbing saying that this guy won. It's not, um, I would say his opinion is, you know, it's important, but I would back my opinion or someone who's got lots of experience in in scoring MMA, um, who's actually sole focus is scoring the fight, back their opinion over someone who's like just watching the fight, kind of, you know, trying to pick out the X's and O's of the fight. So it's another example. You could probably find this example in other sports too maybe. I'm not... um, I'm not aware of, you know, any other sports like MMA where there's, you know, you don't know who the winner is until, you know, right at the end, like when someone scores something, you know what I mean, like, you know, basketball, rugby, all these sports, you know the score as you go along. Um, But, yeah, for example, like, you know, maybe you can use it in other sports like soccer, rugby, and, you know, maybe a commentator saying, oh, I reckon X team is going to come back now, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I would say UFC is probably more heightened than ever that you can kind of, um, I guess, go against what they're saying. So, yeah, there's definitely been examples where uh, a commentator's, like, gone for sure that fight has won that fight. And, you know, the odds will move in a way that represents that when it's, uh, yeah, so just exploits opportunities. Um, and, yeah, last my last example of this whole topic was, was popularity too. So going back to what I said about your big six teams being shorter odds than they generally should be and also... Um, I guess you could use it in examples in the UFC, like super, um, yeah, hyped fighters like yeah, uh, the 18-year-old uh, Paul Rosas Jr., who, or is it Raul Rosas? Oh, God. Rosas Jr., whatever his first name was, um, 18 years old, very exciting, youngest fighter in UFC history, um, you know, and giving these, you know, Conor McGregor's, Ronda Rousey's, these kind of people, they come into a fight, you know, with lower odds than they should because people are going to bet them because they are 
famous. People want to see them win because they like them. People, you know, they think that they're very good at um, at fighting because they're popular, which obviously they are, but, you know, it doesn't matter what your name is. Um, it matters what your skill set is. So, yeah, these are all um, all just examples of times where you can look at a, whatever sport you bet, like, I don't know, I'm just thinking completely off the top of my head here, but if you bet basketball, I'm assuming that uh, generally a team like maybe the Chicago Bulls, um, I would assume they're a more a popular team compared to, I don't know, some random other team that I, I don't know, the Minnesota Timberwolves or something. I could be completely wrong. I don't know anything about the NBA, but maybe you can find things like that. Um you know, rugby league, you know, there's probably some examples there, like the Gold Coast Titans are probably never going to be looked upon favourably because they've got very small fan base and they have never had any success, you know, compare that to a maybe like a South Sydney Rabbitohs or something like that, you know, you can find these examples probably everywhere. Um, got a question here from JR. Sorry, my system is very slow today. He says, what is a good method of understanding that despite having a narrow and wide probabilities for a team performance, the gamblers should tame their chances of making an arid, bold decision? I don't really understand your question. What is a good method of understanding that despite having... Can you just reword that for me, Jay? I don't exactly understand what you're asking. Um, or, or maybe you're not even asking a question. <laughs> right. I, maybe you're just making a statement here and I've read this completely wrong. I guess there's no question marks. So maybe it's not more of a statement. So JR, I think, is just saying here, um, a good method of understanding is that despite having a narrow and wide, you know, probabilities for a team's performance, the gamblers should tame their chances of making a, a you know, errored. Is that a word or do you mean, mean to say error? Uh, bold decision, errored. Maybe my English is not very good and that's a word. Erred. Is that a word? Well, I could be making a real fool of myself here. That is a word. It says definition of erred. Past tense of err as in fumbled. To make a mistake, we badly erred. I guess I've heard yeah, you can err on the side of caution, that kind of. Yeah. Oh, he is asking a question. Wow, this is thrilling, thrilling streaming here. How can we make sure the gamblers make proper, proper profitable bets during and throughout a season? I mean, it, it's quite a um, a broad question, I guess. Um, I mean, firstly, the, the the gambler has to be 
good at what they do have this depends what kind of handicapping they're doing um you know whether they're doing a top-down approach or a bottom-up approach um but i guess for someone like sorry you've just yeah um i think if you want consistency we want to make sure that we're always placing profitable bets during and throughout a season of play i think um if you've started in your betting journey and you have noticed that you're a plus ev better and now we're just looking at you know like you've said here how can we make sure that we are um being consistent with our betting i think it's a lot of it's down to your mental state and what kind of mental state you have um, when you approach your when you approach your betting when you make your reads when you um you know whatever approach you do so let's say you're a, a top down kind of guy um then you want to make sure that when you're looking at the market you're looking at the market through clear eyes you know and if you're starting to handicap a fight like myself i want to make sure that i'm in a good mental mindset i don't come into the uh fight tape with any bias and if i do then i'm able to work with that and see what my bias could be heading into a fight etc etc um maybe or maybe you're more so maybe the the better thing to say is you know how can we make sure the gamblers make profitable bets um i mean the best guideline is is the closing line so if you're um if you want to know whether you are making the right decisions game by game you bet by bet your best metric to go by is generally the closing line now you know the closing line is not relevant in a lot of cases if you're betting maybe like prop markets or a smaller league then it's generally not that important because the 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 league or team or sport isn't that efficient because it's just not bet by that doesn't have much liquidity in the market but you know if you're betting your nbas your nfls your epls your your big sporting leads around the world the ones that most people watch then you can use the closing line on on your over unders handicaps money line one x two you can look at the clv on that the closing line and see if you've you've got value and that's the best way you can judge yourself but yeah if you were talking more about um how can we as gamblers stay consistent and make sure that you know for three days of the week we're placing some bloody good bets and then for one day or two days of the week we're not if you want to stay consistent then i think um you just need to become you need to hone your process you need to understand why you're good at sports betting and you need to understand what it takes for you to like what mental state do you need to be in to to be able to achieve those goals every um every day i mean a, a good uh, a good book you guys could read i think i mentioned it last time was um jared tendler's book and uh, if this is kind of what more you're looking to to achieve um i think if you want to take it kind of, i think it depends a lot on what kind of sports betting you do 
but I will I'll post it out here for everyone to 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 check out if they want to. Um, but I think if you are certainly if you're a in in play better, you know a live better, or you are a um, a handicapper, I think it helps too. But if you're um, especially if you're in live markets and we're, we're talking about you're making split-second decisions constantly, then I think this book would be really important for you to read. Uh, it's called The Mental Game of Trading by Jared Tenler. I just put the link to his website in the uh, in the chat here. Um, I would, I've, I've read this one myself and um, I'm lucky in the sense that I don't do much live betting. Only once once a week, I'll do it on the on the UFC. So that's when I kind of need to make split second decisions, or at least very quick decisions. Um, but most of the time, I can kind of really think my way through certain fights and how they might play out pre-game or pre-fight. So um, mental state's still very important, but I would say it's even more important for guys that are working in live markets and need to make quick decisions. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of all I wanted to go through today. I can wrap things up quickly here and get through some, have a look at some bets for the weekend. Um, but yeah, if anyone's got any questions, thanks for all the questions, JR and the, um, comments from the other fellows too. I can, um, I can start to wrap things up and look at some of the bets for the weekend. But, yeah, shoot through any last questions you've got for me. I can hang around for a bit longer. Um, so, yeah, for those who don't know, main kind of sports that I originate numbers on or the main sport is MMA or the UFC mostly and um, also been um, working more so on NRL uh, try scorers this year, which has been, she's been really good to me. So anytime try scorers for those guys in Australia, this is probably more relevant to you. I don't know if those markets are available overseas, but um, been having great success with that this year. So I think for the UFC, it depends what kind of accounts you've got. But um, I bet that everyone should be able to get on no matter what. Um, is let me have a look, see what the odds are. Sorry, guys. All right, here it is. Here, uh, yeah, Grant Dawson versus uh, Demir Ismagulov. Sorry, I'll just get the odds up and change to decimal here on Odds Checker. Um, yeah, here you go. So if, if, if you guys can get anything on Grant Dawson, I think it's widely available now. You should be able to get evens or better. I think 2.1 here on Betfred still. Um, yeah, I think he should be a pretty comfortable favourite there versus Tamir Ismagulov this weekend. So that's one I can give you guys. That's a money line bet. So widely available at all your, all your bookmakers. Should be able to get twos at a few places. Um, uh, but 2.1, maybe if you're lucky, sharper books might have a little bit over two still, but 
pretty sure he moved into favourite for a bit there, or at least still kind of even kind of odds. But I think that should uh, Grant Dawson should be a fave by the end of the weekend. By the time that fight happens, um, I can give you guys reasoning if you want. I mean, I just think Ismagulov announced his retirement about six months ago, which doesn't help at all. And now he's coming back to uh, to take this fight. I think he's just like just just generally wants to fight out his contract, which is never a good sign. Coming up against a guy who's climbing up the ranks, so you know, should be improving fight to fight, Grant Dawson. Um, and I think I think he's got good enough wrestling to be able to get takedowns here. And the thing is, the difference between he might not have as good wrestling as Armin did in his last. Um, Demir's last fight against Armin Sarukian. But I think Grant can just create scam scrambles and his jiu-jitsu is much better than Armin's, in my opinion. So I think at any point that there is a scramble or Grant's, you know, made his way to his back or something like that, even if they're still standing, I just think Grant can get lots of um, lots of control here. Uh, and keep this away from the standing because he will, you know, he will not win the standing. Um, and I think he can potentially even sub him. It's hard to make a call on that, but Grant's jiu-jitsu is, is better than Sarukian's in my point and in my uh, estimation. And they're in the apex, which favours Dawson. Um, Demir, from what I've seen, I don't think he's a great... He's good at defending takedowns along the fence, but not so much in open play. Uh, and, you know, Grant, I think he'll be able to get single legs and stuff like that. So that's uh, that's one fight. The other one is uh, probably only valid if you've got a Canby account. Um, it's a market called... This is a fight between Carol Rosa and... Um, Yana Santos. So you, this market, you're basically just betting on who's going to uh, get the finish. So um, the market, if you go into the fight, Santos first Rosa, and go to fight lines and go to finish only. So it says it's void if the fight goes the distance, goes to a decision. Um, so you're basically betting on if there is a finish, I think it's going to be Rosa. If it goes to a decision, it's void. If it doesn't, then um, and Santos finishes Rosa, then you bet would lose. But yeah, Carol Rosa should be a clear, clear favourite here, uh, in my opinion. Uh, much more power on the feet, uh, much more chance of getting a knockout on the feet. Although you know it doesn't really happen too often in uh, MMA. I think the wrestling should be kind of interesting. Pretty could be pretty you know disgusting kind of clinch fight along the fence, but. Um, Yana Santos on bottom just really just she looks terrible to me for the most part she got beat up by Holly Holm which is a terrible look I would say Rose is probably a, a better grappler so yeah we will see how that plays out I think it'll probably go to decision but I think it's definitely worth a bet um, and try scorers Uh, an old favourite this year has been, um, I should know how to pronounce his name considering he plays for the Titans, but I just call him Lofi Khan Pereira. 
to score a try this week. And I won't go into why I think, because I think uh, if I tell you why, I will uh, be giving away what my edge is at the moment in this kind of market. I'd rather just tell you guys that it's a bet that you should take and you can take it if you want to. But um, Alofiana, don't know if that's how you say it, Carm Pereira, anytime try scorer, can can get this at bet365, 1.95, good to go. I think it should be around 1.8, something like that. I think he's, uh, yeah, uh, you know, 55-ish percent chance to to get a to score another try this weekend um yeah should be a good game that uh sorry jr so that's all my bets guys if you've got any last minute questions i will go through them so there's three bets for you maybe i can i can track them in the future if people are interested in that um so what do we got if i want to put some units on it so we can make this real professional we can go uh we'll make one unit is your max bet so we'll go one unit dawson at twos we'll go um oh we'll go zero to two scale how about that we'll go uh yeah we'll go two units on dawson we'll go two units on rosa dmb and we'll go one one point Actually, let's go scale zero to five. That makes it easier for me. <laughs> we'll go, we'll go uh, three point five units on Khan Pereira to score. We'll go five units on Rosa, and we'll go four units on Dawson. There you go. There's your final. So five units. If five units is your max bet, you can scale down from there. So we'll say that again: four units on Dawson, five units on Rosa, three on three point five on AKP to score a try. All right, got some comments here. Um, JR says, I appreciate the response and the hot insight would be able to briefly explain or provide a valid analogy to handicapping. Um An analogy to handicapping. Um, well, I mean, I guess something like like the stock market. I guess you could say, you know, putting putting values on certain assets, stocks, these kinds of things. Like um, that's always a good comparison to sports betting or handicapping um i mean you could say about a lot of investment kind of things so you know property real estate these kinds of things putting you know people aren't gonna it's the exact same thing in you know let's just say property if you value a house at one million and they're selling it for nine hundred and ninety thousand dollars, then you'll take it probably or at least if, if you also think that in the future it's going to go surpass a million dollars or something then in value, then yeah. So it's the exact same kind of thing. I think Dawson should be like 1.8 kind of favourite this weekend. Um, maybe even bigger. And 
I can get him at twos or 1.9, I'm happy to take that because I think it's value. So, yeah. JR also says, what site are you looking at for the MMA matchups and lineups? Oh, I mean, you can use whatever you want. Um, I normally start my week off by looking at Tapology or the UFC website, and you can look at what um, you know, what are the fights going to be this weekend. So you can go to UFC.com and go to events, and you'll see the lineup of all the fights. Or um, you can go to Tapology, and you can see all the events there that are coming up for all the uh, all the promotions. So, so yeah. All right, I think that's uh, that'll do us for today. Last second to get your questions in, but if you uh, guys did enjoy, unfortunately, to get much of an audience today, but hopefully, you know, the first time um, people can get a bit more used to this, and we can get you know more of an audience along in the future, and maybe uh, some of the guys from overseas can get up a bit earlier and and tune in. And uh, hopefully some of the Aussies, maybe they're out on the beers already considering it's Friday. But um, Or feel free to send through suggestions if it's maybe better to start a bit earlier or something like that on a, on a Friday. I'm easy-ish. So, but yeah, and I'll, and I'll try to get some guests on. There are whispers that the great Jonas Yelstead might come on next week and, you know, do a catch-up with him, see what he's been up to the last couple of years been a while since he's been on the channel so be good to have him back on but yeah if this is your first time on the channel or you know you like the video give it a like please uh comment any questions i'll try get to them asap uh my twitter's down below so you can send me a question there if you have any questions um and i can answer them uh you know when i get time and um and subscribe to the channel if you can hope you guys enjoyed the the first installment of live sharp set sessions and I'll catch you guys next week. Cheers.